0: Welcome to River Cafe Table 4, a production of iHeartRadio and Atomized Studios.
1: If food and life have a close connection, then so does Lily Allen and the River Cafe. Both born and raised in Hammersmith, West London, Lily in May 1985, and the River Cafe 18 months later in September 1987. We both have had our shares of ups and downs as we came of age, but as creatives, I like to think that we both share a common commitment to being honest and straight about what we believe in and the values we hold. Lily really does tell it as it is, and that's what we're going to do today. Talk about food, food and memories, food and family, food and love. Hi. Hi, Danny. Would you like to read your recipe?
2: I would love to. I have uh, chosen fig and cannellini salad. You will need 12 ripe figs, 200 mils of extra virgin olive oil, one bunch of fresh green basil, one bunch of fresh purple basil, one bunch of fresh mint, a selection of salad leaves, including rocket, 300 grams of cooked cannellini beans, and the juice of one lemon. Slice the figs and spread out on a large plate. Season and drizzle over half of the extra virgin olive oil. Warm the cannellini beans in their cooking liquid. Drain and season. In a large bowl, combine the figs and warm cannellini beans, stirring well. Gently toss through the herbs and leaves. Add lemon juice and extra virgin olive oil.
1: Why did you choose, of all the recipes in the River Cafe books, this this recipe?
2: I love a bean salad and figs are possibly my favorite fruit. Usually I'd have figs with sort of cheese or something else, but both the things are delicious Hmm. and you're very good at putting delicious things together Uh, on a plate. (laughs) Oh,
1: we'll we'll, we'll do it tonight because you're staying out for dinner, so we'll make this for you
2: tonight. Um, But you do cook? I was really into cooking when I was a teenager, like sort of 13. I actually went and did a cordon bleu course in Marlebone. Mm. I remember asking for like a set of sabatier knives mm-hmm. for my 13th birthday. Mm-hmm. It's funny because it's really one of those things that you have to keep up in order to, you know, it's it's like muscle memory. And I definitely have, you know, like a handful of recipes that have sort of stuck with me. But I remember when I, when at the beginning of my career, when I'd go off on tour for sort of two years at a time, I'd come back and I'd forget how to make a spaghetti bolognese. And it would really Freak me out, mm-hmm. actually, you know, because when you're on tour, you just don't have access to a kitchen. You know, you're in a tour bus or in hotel rooms, so there's just no way that you would ever be able to get anywhere near a mm-hmm. chopping board and, and fresh vegetables. But, yeah, I love
1: cooking. And you love eating. I love eating. I love eating. <laughs> have there been times, times when, you know, that you, your music describes when you've been on the edge or down? Do you find that when you're kind of emotionally vulnerable
2: that you don't eat or you do eat no i'm an eater when i'm when i'm sad yeah are you yeah in fact i think you know everyone in my family is emotional eaters we all sort of reach for usually carbohydrates (laughs) when we're feeling low um there's this thing that my mum makes which you all think is horrendous but it's like the thing that i want her to come over and and drop off at my house when I'm feeling really depressed, which is called cheese pie. And awesome. it's but it's she used to make it when she was living in her student accommodation when I was a, a, a baby. But it's a casserole dish with two tins of tin spaghetti with, in the tomato sauce with a layer of cheesy mashed potato on top, oh my and God. then put in the oven. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't know what you were going to say, but I really didn't think you were going to say spaghetti covered by mashed
2: potatoes. Yeah, no wow it's really really (laughs) gross but I love it it just like yeah it makes me feel really really protected and comforted by my mom's sort of stodgy 80s cooking and so tell me about
1: growing up in the Allen household what was the food like did you
2: um yeah
1: did your mom cook or your dad or
2: my mom cooked a lot yeah she was she kind of cooked you know kids like stodgy food and then I guess as we, yeah, as we got a little bit older, we had sort of more variation. There was always lots of entertaining going on on the weekends and Sunday roasts and, yeah, dinner parties, I, I imagine is where I sort of learned
1: a lot about food. Seeing your parents entertaining and seeing the food quite different, hearing the voices, the adult conversation. Mm-hmm. So when you would go downstairs and sit at the table or sit on someone's lap, what, what was it like? What did that feel like?
2: I was always like you know fascinated by grown-ups when I was a kid. I didn't really have that many friends my own age and I just was desperate to to be an adult mm. from quite an early age. So I just remember sort of yeah, sitting on you know my godmother's lap, you know pretending that I l- liked olives which I really didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, just sort of soaking up all of the conversation pretending that you understand what's what's going on. But not really, you know, probably concentrating so hard on trying to blend in that you're not mm-hmm. really doing much else. And were they, <laughs> would they let you stay?
1: They, was there any sense of it's time now to let you go to bed? or were they? Uh, No,
2: my parents definitely weren't, were not um, strict in that, in that mm-hmm. sense. Well, so tell
1: me about your mother and father. What did you tell me about their lives?
2: Well, first of all, you know, my parents were divorced by the time I was four. So I don't really have many memories of them together. Um, although... I, Actually, I do remember one party that they had at our flat in Bloomsbury. I think it must have been around Christmas or New Year. And um, me and my brother made um, bagels, toasted bagels and cream cheese. And we had like one of those sort of um, drinks trolleys that you could push Mm. around in our flat. And me and my brother were pushing, we must have made like pile, what seemed like piles at the time, but we were very small. Um... Yeah, pushing them around the living room and trying to charge people fifty p for a bagel with cream cheese. <laughs> yeah. Don't know if we got many takers. Don't know if people want. Uh, maybe.
1: maybe that sounds pretty good to me. Bagels and cream cheese for fifty
2: p. Can get that
1: anywhere.
2: I mean, actually, my my mum, my brother went to boarding school when he was eight, and my sister you know, had a quite colorful social life from the age of sort of 13 or 14. So she wasn't really around much. So I, I was, there'd be quite a lot of times when it was just me and my mom and my stepdad in our house in Primrose Hill. And I remember getting taken to dinner parties at other people's houses quite a lot, um, in the week. I remember, like, I would be tired and I'd get to school the next day and people would be like, are you okay? And I'd be like, mm, I was out till 2 o'clock yeah. in the morning <laughs> listening yeah. to grown-ups rabbit yeah. on about nothing. What about when you saw your father? Did he cook
1: for you or did he take Yeah, a- he
2: was, like, a little bit more rustic, my dad, with his food. Like, we did a lot of camping and going to festivals and stuff, so there was always quite a lot of, like, cooking on open fires with him and he used to do, like, this digging hole and making, like, Sort of baking meat or barbecuing it like in a hole for mm-hmm. you know slow mm-hmm. cooking stuff. So yeah, that was sort of more, more his vibe. But yeah, you know I had you know sort of fabulous social parents and was taken along for the ride.
1: And so if you grew up with that food, when, when did you start discovering that when there did was I start other? Start discovering
2: yeah. food for myself. I mean, like yeah, going to sort of like social gatherings with my mum and her friends. My best friend, Makita, her mum is Antiguan. And so she was always, I've always been really interested in like world food. Mm. And she, you know, introduced me to sort of Caribbean food. And I loved all of that growing up. I thought it was just the most delicious, you know, sort of baked chicken and all of the spices with the rice and the peas. And also growing up in West London as well, there was always sort of, Portobello Market, market stall food. My dad had this friend called Vicky who had a stall down in Camden Market where we would uh, go and have sort of falafels every weekend. Mm -hmm. So I was always really interested in trying foods from different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And then when I started touring as a recording artist, Mm -hmm. I just became obsessed with local food from wherever it was that we were.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Help helps is a maxim I believe in. We all carry around stress and hardship, and when we keep it inside, it starts to chip away. Therapy is a safe place, and therapy is for everyone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ruthie today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash Ruthie. BetterHelp.com slash Ruthie. What was it like going on tour and discovering the culture through the food?
2: Well, I mean, it's a sort of habit of mine, which is that when I get off stage, I've taken all my makeup off and I get on the bus or, you know, however it is that we're traveling, I'll get my phone out and look at the city that we're driving into yeah. the next morning and I'll plan each meal.
1: Yeah, oh, that's
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, the first thing that I would look for in the morning was the best place for coffee and pastries and then... If we were in Mexico, then I want to find out where the best tacos were Mm. for lunch and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, that was, I will always plan my day around Food. Mm. You're not the only... I mean, when I was talking
1: to Jake Gyllenhaal, he said that no matter where he's going on location, wherever he's going for a movie, wherever in the world, he spends days before deciding where he's going to eat. Going to eat, yeah. And what is it like touring? What is it like when you go on it? Really
2: hard, actually. Tell me, take me through it. Well, I mean, because most places where there are, you know, we'll pull up outside, uh, you know, the venue, and that's where we'll be based for the day so and most venues are in you know parts of town where there's no residential it's you know where you can make noise Mm. so yeah people don't usually live there and so therefore there's not places to eat so yeah it's difficult it's difficult to eat you're obviously relying on what the venue have got in for you a lot of the time so you'll go into the dressing room and there'll be some sort of like plate with cheeses and ham that have been they're sort of sweating (laughs) (laughs) Mm. it's uh it's not the nicest and then crisps and sweets and things like that maybe fruit sometimes but yeah that's what I I sort of like have my sort of routine which is I'll order an uber and and go into town and find somewhere to have coffee and then sit and decide what it is I'm going to do with the rest of my day
1: you have to spend the day there before the concert at night
2: well, it depends how yeah. far away it is from yeah. the venue that you come from the last night. But if you're in America and you've got like, you know, 14-hour drive before in between shows, yeah. then you don't have that much time. But if you, you know, just a couple of miles up the road, then yeah, you might have the whole day and you can get a couple of good meals in. Do you eat before a show, after a show or during a show? Hmm, probably I'll eat like a, bre- a bigger breakfast. I won't have lunch and then I'll have a dinner afterwards. Mm. I don't want to really go on stage on a full stomach. Mm. Not a not good idea.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm about in the theatre. Tell me about the play you're in. Tell us about the play the you're doing now. I'm
2: doing a play called 2.22, which is a sort of dinner party play.
1: So what is a dinner party play?
2: The whole thing is set over one evening around a table and it's all about usually quite a small cast, like who's afraid mm. of Virginia Woolf? Mm. And like, you know, plays, It's mm. it's definitely a... Thing, um, and that's that's what this plan is. is. There food on the table. Yeah, oh. so I, I have food? to make an asparagus risotto <laughs> uh, on stage. Do you yeah. really? Do
1: you? Okay, it's, so tell me about that because we want to bring everything back to the food, but. <laughs> What is it? What is hey? What is it like? Oh my gosh!
2: Them? You're gonna hate it because we well, it's not actually risotto. They we kind of like have like ready-made basmati rice, yeah, and then I kind of like add stock to it as we're you know doing the first sort of fifteen or twenty minutes, and then yeah, then I chop up asparagus that and chuck it. the asparagus in, and then I dish it out. And you're talking while you're while doing, doing that. It, yeah. And my my character is a woman called Jenny, who's a primary school teacher. Married to a guy called Sam, we're you know having friends over for dinner at our mid-renovation house, and Jenny, my character, is convinced that the house is being haunted by a ghost, and so she asks that the other guests stay up until 2:22, which is when the time of night when the ghost comes along to to witness and and give their thoughts on what's happening. And so yeah, it's sort of it's a, it's a it's an interesting play. <laughs>
0: Ghosts exist. Why aren't there absolutely loads of them? How do you mean? Why aren't they flooding into our world in their thousands?
2: A minute later, it came, walking round and round. turned on the light and the room was empty. It was a dream! I wasn't asleep! Do you believe me? I should have been here!
1: Ah! We've spoken about... Tables, the tables that you grew up with as a child coming down. We can close our eyes right now, I can, and see this child coming down to the grown-up dinner party or the tables that you kind of even prepared for yourself in the face of not being able to have to cook, to Mm -hmm. have a healthy meal, finding a table in a town where you could have a cappuccino. And so the thought that you're in a play right now that is centered around a table. Is it something that you think, what is a table, the theme of a table in your life? I mean,
2: the table is very central to our play. I can't go too much into it because it is, uh, it's is—it's part of the twist. But mm. um, yeah, I guess kitchen table is central to the sort of family ideal, isn't it? And I guess maybe I, I put a lot of focus onto it because I don't feel like that table featured enough in my childhood. Mm. But it's definitely something that is important to me. In fact, David and my, you know, my husband and I are building a house in New York together at the moment. And I'm always talking about this table that doesn't exist yet, (laughs) which is, you know, very, very central to the, to the whole running of the house. I don't want it to be just a place where food is prepared. I want it to be where the kids come in from school and they dump their bags on that table and they want to be doing their homework while I'm cooking their food. And it feeling like, the en- the engine room of of our lives really and where we communicate and share ideas together and emotions talk about what's happened with our day and unpack what how we're experiencing the world so yeah and i guess there there is a little bit of that in in the play that i'm doing which is set around a table in a kitchen <laughs> yeah.
1: well in a few minutes you're going to be sitting around a table in the river cafe and you, yeah. i i always associate you actually with Table 11, which is a table closest to the pass. I don't know. I just right. always used to see you there. And you don't come in with big groups of people, do you? No. You come in with David and... Yeah, yeah it- or
2: with VF. Yeah, it's like my sort of little secret treat. I guess maybe because it's not in town. It always feels like a special oh, treat Jim. coming to the River Cafe, even though I you know, live mostly in in West London. So it's not never that far, but it's, it's not... Um, Although I did have one birthday party here where we had In the, the, PD, yeah, in and the private dining the, room. the didn't private you? room. Yeah. That was a very messy affair. I'm sorry. I think no I good. behaved quite badly <laughs> that night. <laughs> what happened? But well, there's a table. That's a table.
1: That's a very big table. That room actually just practically is a table. So what, tell me, what was that like that party? I don't know
2: if I can remember, remember much it? of it, <laughs> but I think that we were asked to leave. <laughs> Never. Never. Maybe not me, but maybe some of my guests. <laughs>
0: Right rug flooring. When I
2: had my kids and lived in the countryside, food and entertaining was massive for me. You know, we we had like a few bedrooms, spare bedrooms, and people would come down from London every weekend, and I would do, you know, massive meals on our big long table in the dining room, and yeah. Oh, so that's
1: a lot. So you did, you yeah, you really did. Yeah, yeah. We
2: had a house in Gloucestershire, just outside of Stroud, and. You know, There's a farmer's market there, so I would go to the farmer's market and buy all of the produce, and um, yeah, and people would come down, and it was all very you know, seasonal, mm. fair, but yeah, I love cooking. I'm doing a, a, this play here at the moment, and I'm actually living at a friend's house. My kids are you know, spending the summer with their dad and, and at my mum's, but um, when things are a little bit more normal and we're all living together on, under one roof, then it's I'd make them every weekend without fail. I'd do a Sunday roast on a Sunday. Tell me about that. It's just my mum always, you know, she she wasn't quite as sort of militant about it as I am. But I I just love a Sunday roast. I love the ritual of it. I love getting up early on a Sunday morning and peeling all of my potatoes and putting them in the fridge to dry out and, you know, the goose fat. I just love all of the different... Bits And I just love, you know, using using seasonal vegetables and, you know, the root veg in the winter and more salads in the summer. And and also, I just think it's really important for my kids. I'm slightly manipulative as well because I, I think that they will always come back to me on the weekends because if they know that that roast dinner is always going to be there at three o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, they'll always come home. <laughs> they will. The, the memories of,
1: yeah, well, you were remembering your mother's, I think the memory of a tradition of a, a Friday night dinner, if it's Shabbat or a Sunday lunch, and that is, you know, the tradition. You know, I say in an irregular world, we need regular things, mm. and, you know, that, that Sunday lunch. And you always cook the same meat. Is it always no, beef? No, no, it's always it's di- Well, oh, we it's... do
2: quite a lot of chicken, but, you know, I'll do ribs of beef. Sometimes I do, like, a pork belly, but I do a 24-hour um, pork shoulder as well, which is very popular in our house. That's sort of more like in sort of Chinese spices and stuff, mm. star anise and cinnamon so and sugar. So you're a good cook, and, Lily Allen.
1: You are. You know, you're sort of ambitious and interested and picky. But, yeah, what you're describing is, and also, you know, the little thing you said when you said goose fat. So, <laughs> so tell me about the goose fat, what do you do with the goose fat.
2: Well, my roast potatoes, I, you know, peel them, boil them for about six or seven minutes, and then I chuck them in the fridge and let the air come out of them. Goose fat and a little bit of oil into a roasting pan until it starts smoking, and then I coat my potatoes in it and chuck them in for for an hour while the rest of the stuff is oh, going delicious. <laughs> yeah, the- My mum said actually that... One of the funniest memories that she has of me is, this is my, my emotional connection to roast dinners. that mm-hmm. when I went travelling around Asia, and I must have been 18 or 19, and I came back and she'd obviously, you know, made a roast dinner because that's why I said that I wanted to come back for. And we sat around the table as a, as a family and once we'd finished, my sister went, oh, thanks, mum, that was delicious. Gravy was amazing. And I just burst into tears because I'd forgotten to put the gravy on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you've been away too long. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I think
1: so. The roast tradition is something that goes back from your childhood to your to yours, and then to your children. Do you
2: think? Yeah, and but it, I think my even my mum's childhood as well. You know, I think she was sort of raised on roast dinners. I mean, I'm, I mean, maybe it's because in m- in my family, just because... The way that things have worked out, my mum being, you know, a single working mother, and that was possibly the one time a week that we all did come together around a table. You know, there wasn't there wasn't much of that. Mm. I don't really have memories of sitting around mm. a table as a family, but I do on Sundays. I always ask, what is your you know, comfort food? And it is very often...
1: Food that was cooked for as a child. As good, had, yeah. a, a friend of mine who I asked uh, said it was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because yeah. that's what he had with his mother when he came home from school every day. Mm-hmm. And then she died when he was 20, and that's what he wants to eat. So I think there for is. For
2: sure. I, mean, I think roast chicken is quite central to. Mm. Everything. Mm. <laughs> it's it the is. center of my it world, is. looks yeah. like a roast chicken, yeah, yeah. I think. <laughs>
1: well, so, your table is waiting, and I just want to thank you so much for doing this. Well, thank and, you. Uh, we have to share a table very soon. To visit the online shop of The River Cafe, go to shoptherivercafe.co.uk.
0: River Cafe Table 4 is a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp. Provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's Better, H E L P.com.
2: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God.